guys. Welcome to this week's episode of the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that gives you a fresh and faithful perspective of the scriptures that we hope will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you are learning to others. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and we are excited to be here studying with you. This week we are studying in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, um, and looking forward to getting into this study today. I was waiting for you to bring in, you said you were going to include Rocky somehow oh, in your introduction. I, I was, was waiting trying, for the Rocky. I was trying to do it a little more subtly. I wasn't just going to say it. Zach, you ruined my... You're in my subtle Rocky intro. We've been watching, well, we went through, I hadn't watched the Rocky movies. So it was a couple years ago, mm-hmm. year ago, that we watched all of them. And kind of, I guess, in preparation for Creed coming out. And then we just barely finally watched Creed 2 last night. And I'm like, I just have this deep love for Rocky in my heart. And so I kept asking Zach all night tonight, so does that, is that a way I can bring in Rocky? <laughs> so I guess that's the beauty of having your own podcast is even if you just want to talk about whatever you want to talk about, like Rocky, even though you're hosting a scripture podcast, it works. So you can kind of do whatever you want. Cue Rocky music. Da, 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 da. I was actually going to play the Rocky music, but that's much better. I like that. Oh, it's way better when I do it. <laughs> da, da, da. Anyway, so... Maybe I'll subtly bring it in some way since you kind of ruined my my awesome way to do so it. So now they'll be looking for it. So Yeah, that's true. I probably won't find a way to do it. Anyway, let's get on to the important parts of what we're here to talk about today. Um, we first just wanted to say thank you so much for um, the comments, the questions. We... I think kind of the hard part of a podcast is there isn't really just one place that we can kind of manage comments. Um there's so many different podcast app apps out there, including iTunes and all of that. So we do our best to read through them. And so we catch a lot of them. And I just, it's so fun for me to see the interaction and just kind of see what you guys are thinking and as well as the questions. So this week, actually, our question comes from um, a podcast app that we happen to come through. And hopefully when we can respond back, we do. Um, but we thought this one would be a good one and kind of timely for what we're studying today as we're working our way through these letters, um, the epistles of Paul. But this question comes from Colton, and he actually asked it just this week. So his question is, why do we keep reading stories and writings of Paul, but not Peter? I thought Peter was the prophet Christ set apart. Was Paul the prophet or head apostle after Peter was killed? Or was it just those who assembled the writings into the Bible, like Paul's accounts, better? So, Zach, I'm going to let you take this one away. Well, I like this question because I think it uh, gets at some of the humanity that goes into both writing uh, these gospel and epistles, but also the humanity and the nuance that goes into constructing the Bible. So a couple of things we have to remember. First of all, uh, the Bible is an attempt by people to put down in writing things that were passed on orally. This is an oral culture. They pass things, they pass stories from person to person, not from page to page. And so Peter wasn't a writer. He was a fisherman. He may not have even been literate. Uh, We do have a couple of epistles from Peter. And we do have a gospel that is the gospel of Mark, but most people think that Mark was actually a scribe for Peter, which is why I love the gospel of Mark. Um, 
So we do have a couple of things that seem to come from Peter's perspective, but whether or not he wrote them or not is kind of up in the air. And so it could have been that he just didn't read and he didn't write. Uh, he was a contemporary of his time, and that's the way he did. Paul, on the other hand, was trained in reading and writing. And so Paul could have just simply written more. The other thing we have to remember, too, is that when the Bible was compiled in the 4th century, um, the way that they did it is they had this the big conference of just church leaders and everyone brought their favorite writings. And there were hundreds, if not thousands of things. There were epistles and gospels and things. And they compiled them into one book that they called the Bible. Biblio just meaning collection of books. And it was the one that they could all agree upon. And so uh, as Christianity had spread throughout the Gentile um, world, which is now the Roman world, uh, a lot of those writings that were really influential in spreading Christianity were Paul's writings because that was Paul's specific mission. And so as this now Gentile church, this Roman church is compiling a Bible, they're going to draw heavily upon the writings that so influenced the construction and the, and the furthering of that church. Um, so I don't know which of those is the answer or if they're all the answer, if none of them are the answer. Uh, but there is a lot more, I think, humanity um, as I mentioned, that goes into the construction of the Bible and the formulation of these writings and the transcription of them. Uh, it's a miracle that we have the Bible that we have. It truly is a miracle. And um, so a really, really good question. Yeah. I think one one question to go off of that is maybe the timeline too of, of were they living at the same time? I feel like I should yeah. know this answer, but... No, yeah, the... they, were, they were living. Paul talks about meeting with, he calls them Cephas or Peter. Um, he talks about meeting with Peter a lot. There's uh, even a confrontation back in that we read. Uh, we didn't well, that we read in Galatians, where uh, Paul recounts confronting Peter on a specific issue. That Peter was a lot more hesitant mm, to take the right. gospel to the Gentiles than Paul was, uh, and there was even some discussion about that within the church. People have blown that up to make it way more than it probably was. Um, but truth is, we just don't have a lot of writings. We don't know a whole lot, and so we're trying to piece together a history from just a couple of things that were passed from person to person by word of mouth and written down by people that didn't really do a whole lot of reading and writing. And it's kind of a miracle that we have what we have. Yeah. And this is just kind of my own thoughts as we're discussing this, but it's also kind of cool to think about maybe the different strengths and assignments that maybe they had, mm -hmm. you know, like, like you said, Paul is maybe perhaps more literate than Peter was, or maybe he communicated his choice of communication was through letters. It's kind of interesting to, to think about that too. So, um, to start this episode, I want to read a story that I found in the Enzyme. Uh, this is from 2015. And I think the reason why I like this story so much is because it reminds me of um, things I've gone through personally in the past month or so. Um, and as I read this story, I thought of so many people whose lives surround mine, people that I know and that I love, that uh, this sounds, if not similar, then at least um, reminiscent of their experience. So this is from the uh, August 2015 Enzyme. The article is just titled, Patience More Than Waiting. It's written by Hillary Olson. She says this, quote, Sister Olson, we bless you with patience. Those weren't the words I wanted to hear. I'd been praying all day to have enough faith to be healed. In the blessing, I was promised that I'd eventually get better, but I was assured that it would take time. I sighed as the elders finished giving me a blessing. I had only three months left in my mission, and I wanted to be out with the people, not sick in bed. 
I wanted to accept the Lord's will, but I honestly didn't understand why he would make me wait. It took me several days to come to terms with my situation. I had resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going to get better right away, but in the meantime, I was miserable, until one day I turned to the scriptures. Eventually, I found the peace I needed in James 1. Joseph Smith found his answer in verse 5. Mine was in verses 2 through 4. Quote, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. As I read those verses, I can't say that I was suddenly able to count it all joy that I was sick, but I did learn some things that helped me feel less miserable about my situation. The fact that I hadn't been immediately healed didn't mean that I didn't have faith, and it didn't mean the Lord didn't care about my situation. Quite the opposite, actually. The Lord cared enough to test my faith by not healing me right away so that I could develop patience. I realized that the Lord wanted me to develop patience because it's a vital characteristic. Patience refines us. Patience helps us become more like the Savior. I did have important responsibilities as a full-time missionary, but I realized that when it came to serving the Lord, He cares just as much about the instrument as He does the task at hand. The Lord was teaching me patience so that I could be a better and more effective missionary in those final months of my mission. My promised blessing of healing did eventually come, but my lesson in patience didn't end there. Many blessings in our lives—marriage, employment, children, physical or emotional health, answers to prayers— don't come right when we expect them to. When you experience delayed answers to prayers, and you likely have or will, commit to patience by trusting in the Lord and His timing. It will bless your life. I like that story, and uh, I had a similar blessing from my brother-in-law a couple years ago where I was hoping for healing, and he promised in the blessing that this would take time, and it took a really long time. Um, but I think we can all relate to that experience, and that is exactly what the saints in Thessalonica are going through as Paul writes to them this letter. Um, when he visits there on his missionary journeys, uh, he can't spend a whole lot of time there because he's cast out of the city. The persecution is so intense. This is at the heart of the Roman Empire. And so he's filled with nervousness about the church that's established there. He didn't have a whole lot of time to build up the church as he had in other places and spend as much time with them as he wanted. And so he sends Timothy to go and find out from them what's happening. And as Timothy comes back and brings him a report, the report is they're actually doing really, really good. Um, they're being persecuted and their trials are difficult like it is everywhere in the empire right now, but they're holding strong to the faith. Um, but the one thing that is concerning is the persecution is so great that the saints in Thessalonica are starting to think that the second coming is going to happen like tomorrow, and in Second Thessalonians, that it's already happened, that this must be the last days, this must be the end of time, which you can understand why they think that. Uh, this is First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when you say peace and safety, then shall sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. So it's going to come suddenly, the second coming. But then he says this, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all children of light and the children of the day. And we are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And then in verse 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, a couple episodes ago, um, I think it was episode 74, titled Coming, 
We talked about why we should be excited about the second coming, and this is the Thessalonians being excited about the second coming. Of course they want it to happen because they're immersed in all of this persecution, and they know that when Jesus comes again, because they've been faithful and true to him, he will bring salvation to them. And so they're excited about the second coming, and they're hoping that it's happening, and Paul's letter to them in First and Second Thessalonians is, it hasn't happened yet. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians, he makes that clear. Let no one deceive you, he says in chapter 2, for that day has not come yet, and it won't come until there comes this great falling away. It's going to be a while. This creates this situation for the Thessalonians that I think we all understand, where they're waiting for some desired blessing, for them the second coming, relief from their persecution, and it's not going to come tomorrow, and it's not going to come this week or this month or this year in 10 or 20 years. I think we get that. Um, And so as we study this week, one of the ways that we thought that we could frame our study is, what do you and I do when we're waiting for that eventual blessing that isn't coming tomorrow and maybe isn't coming this year? Uh, What do we do to wait patiently? What do we do to endure um, when the enduring gets difficult? You know, I think you're right. I I think that we're not only like them in these certain afflictions, but we're a lot like them too in hoping on the second coming mm-hmm. and kind of those same thoughts of we're preparing, we're busy, we're, we're wanting to work toward, um, toward helping usher in the second coming, you know, especially with President Nelson, all that he's talking about, this great work that we're about and um, the gathering of scattered Israel. And so I think that, that there's a lot that we share in common. And so I think um, maybe just to to start us off, we're kind of maybe going to go a little bit in order here. So I'm going to start with um, just a phrase that we see a lot in, have seen a lot in the New Testament. In fact, I think I've talked about it before in past episodes. Um, but this idea um, starting in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. He's talking about Timothy, like Zach said, he sent him over. So it says, And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your your faith, so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that you, we are appointed to this. Um, and that phrase in, in chapter 2, Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker. So that's in my CSB version, what do they, what word do they use? Our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. That's right. So kind of that idea of this, um, I don't know why I like coworker so much, but it just is like this, like we're in this together. We're doing this. And I think, I guess the message there as we're waiting and hoping is the strength that we can gain, gain from our fellow coworkers and our fellow laborers that we have. Um, I feel a lot of strength and maybe it's just, um, I, I guess it's just a lesson I'm learning maybe in my own, in, in my own heart as I show up to, um, church each Sunday or to functions that this idea of these are just my brothers, my sisters, they're, they're these coworkers. They're these people that are just cheering us all on, cheering each other on in, in Jesus. Like they're my I'm going off too long on this, Zach. What do you have anything to add to this? Maybe I'm redundant here, but I just think that as we reach out, um, in 
as we're waiting on something, there's a lot of other people around us waiting on something too. And perhaps they have something that can encourage us. Like I love the words that they use in these scriptures when they talk about that. We were sent to encourage you. Um, we were sent to strength, strengthen you. And that's exactly what we have all around us is these these brothers and sisters, these coworkers that are there for us to lift us up and help us help us wait it out essentially and work together. Verse 12, the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Um, I was sitting in, I went to adult Sunday school for the first time in quite a while today and it was so good for me. And I, uh, I got the chance to ask a question. We were talking about a topic and I wanted to ask a question to the class and um, I couldn't write notes fast enough for the things that just my brothers and sisters in the room were teaching me. And in that moment, I had very much a family feeling of like, these are my, and I'm a younger guy. And some of the thoughts were shared by those that are, have a little bit more experience. And I just thought these are like older brothers and sisters. These are people that have have paid a price both in life and in study to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was so helpful to me to hear their comments and their testimonies and their thoughts and feelings. And it made a big impact on me. So I, I bear my testimony to that too. Well, yeah, maybe just that idea of like bounding together and using each other. Another verse you read one I was going to read too, but this is in second Thessalonians chapter one, verse three, we ought to thank God always for you brothers and sisters and rightly so since your faith is flourishing and the love each one of you has for one another is increasing over and over again. I think when Paul starts his letters with these salutations and greetings, he's always very um, grateful when he sees that love and that um, brotherly kindness towards one another. Yeah. The phrase that I liked is in the next chapter, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. And I think that verse bears some need for definition. One, the definition of the word holiness means, I don't know where I heard this, but somewhere in my past someone gave me this definition and I've always clung to it. To make something holy means to set it aside for a sacred purpose. Bible dictionary. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, there you go. I should read that. <laughs> some of the Greek words, though, that are synonymous with this or some of the translations from that Greek word, consecration, purification, sanctification. In other words, to be holy is to be something different, maybe even something that's made different through cleansing or through trial or through persecution. So that's the word holiness. Now, the word calling is an interesting one because we understand what the word calling means in the church, and we don't understand what the word calling means. Because when we talk about callings, we talk about, oh, I was called to this and released from this. That's not quite how the word is used in the Bible. When the uh, gospel writers, when, when scriptural authors use the word calling, they're not talking about a, a temporary calling as an activity days leader. They're talking about a life's calling. This is something deeper and much longer lasting than a temporary calling or assignment we might receive. It's very reminiscent of what Elder Bednar said about being called to serve and assigned to labor. We are all called to serve in the vineyard. We might be assigned to labor as a full-time missionary for a particular time in a particular place, but that calling to gather Israel extends much further beyond. And so in that same vein, to be called to holiness means to have that calling that lasts a little bit longer. That's something maybe I've learned from my fellow Christian brothers and sisters is the way that they speak about their their discipleship, their call to 
to serve God in this much more general way than we look about look at it, which I think is really kind of cool to explore and think about of of what God's God has for you in mind on top of maybe a specific yeah. calling in which we usually So I think the reason I like that is because if Paul says that you are called to holiness, I think we have a so that syndrome in the church sometimes. In other words, we live the gospel, if we're not careful, we might be tempted to live the gospel so that we receive blessing X, Y, or Z, so that we can be saved in the kingdom of God. And that is true. If we live according to commandments and our covenants, then we are blessed with blessings in this life and blessings in the life to come. But the call to holiness is not a so that call. I'm not living a holy life only so that I can get to heaven. Uh, Heaven is made heaven because we live this kind of life there. The call to holiness is one that extends before and during and after tribulations and trials and blessings. And so for me, part of that patience is understanding I'm not trying to live this life just so that I can get to the end of it and have the reward. This is the reward. Living this holy life is the reward. Finding time to be holy, making time to be holy, finding things in my life that I can set aside for a sacred purpose, and even setting myself aside for a sacred purpose is the point of life. And so if I don't see the rewards for it, that's okay because that's not the point. I've really been kind of obsessed with this idea of holiness. In fact, we've had a few conversations over the last couple weeks, um, but my um, obsession maybe extends further. In fact, I think maybe I have um, talked about this on a past episode, probably in the Book of Mormon year last year, but um, there was a talk from Elder Christofferson in October of 2017, The Living Bread, which came comes down from heaven. And he talks about... Um, Well, I'm just going to read a little bit here. If we yearn to dwell in Christ and have him dwell in us, then holiness is what we seek in both body and spirit. We seek it in the temple whereon is inscribed holiness to the Lord. We seek it in marriage, families, homes. We seek it each week as we delight in the the Lord's holy day. We seek it even in the details of daily living, our speech, our dress, our thoughts. As President Monson has stated, we are the product of all we read, all we view, all we hear, all we think. We seek holiness as we take up our cross daily. And then he goes on to tell the story of um, the, the reason that we have holiness unto the Lord on the temple is because of a prophecy from Zechariah. And um, in that spirit, he says, the pioneer saints in these valleys affix that reminder, holiness to the Lord on anything. They, he has pictures in here of like their cups on the signs of their, of their stores, on their plates, on all of these things as a reminder of this need to daily remember and constantly remember that holiness to, to God and how it can happen in the mundane. Um, in this week's come follow me manual at the end, you know, they do those, um, study tips at the end. And this one I thought fit really well with this thought. Um, The advice is to seek revelation daily. And it goes on to say, revelation often comes line upon line, not all at once. Don't think of gospel study as something you make time for, but as something you are always doing. Um, And I think it's that as we take those moments to be holy is kind of what I like to say is taking time to be holy. And I got that again from this elder Christofferson talk. He, he quotes a song from Will, uh, a hymn from William Longstaff at the end. And I just think these words are beautiful. Take time to be holy. 
the world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus like him thou shalt be, thy friends in thy conduct his likeness shall see. Um, And I think I repeat that over and over to myself is that, like, take time to be holy. It doesn't have to be in these big increments of time, but these little pockets in our daily, daily acts that really just add up and allow us to feel God's, God's holiness in our life more openly. And maybe to just add on to this a little, um, a phrase that I saw in chapter four of first Thessalonians, um, right before and after the holiness was in verse one, he says, as you are doing, do this even more. And then in verse 10, in fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia, but we encourage you brothers and sisters to do this even more. And so, of course, the recurring phrase in my translation is do this even more, which stood out to me. In the King James Version, the words abound and increase are used. And I think that kind of adds that little bit of oomph to it of that abounding feeling of don't give up. I think that continue on is what I hear in those words of do this even more. Let's not get frustrated because it can be frustrating when you're waiting on something. But do this even more. Um, Increase what you're doing because as we increase in holiness and increase in love, um, our patience and endurance in Christ becomes even greater. You know, the interesting thing about that is that, um, and this was part of the question that I asked in our Sunday school class today was, our lives are always filled with something, whether it's uh, worldly somethings, or whether it's heavenly somethings, um, it's always filled with something. These verses at the end of Second Thessalonians chapter 3 stood out to me, and it connects with what we studied last week in Philippians and the study that we had in Sunday school today and, and personal studies that I've had. And so I'm probably a little over-jazzed about this idea, but this is chapter 3, verse 11. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not all, but, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. It's subtle, and maybe this is me overstretching the translation, but I wonder if the message from Paul is, quiet down the busyness of the things you're doing and instead exert your effort in being not weary. Don't grow weary of well-doing. Um, there was that great couple of verses in chapter four of Philippians last week where Paul commands or counsels the saints to be careful in nothing and then to be content with the ups and downs of life. And we talked about that last week. But that phrase, be careful in nothing, I did a little mini study on it. That word careful shows up all over the scriptures. That is the exact word that Jesus used to Martha when he says, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. It's the same word that Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount when he commands those that are listening to take no thought beforehand what you should eat or drink and take no thought what you should wear. That take no thought means don't be careful. And the word means to not be anxious about the future, not to stress about what's out there or what could be or what might be. But as he says in Matthew 6, verse 34, there is enough 
for us to focus on just today. Um, this is something that I struggle with. My brain is a constant hum of concerns about this or that, of work or calling or home or family or individual assignments. And I'm always thinking as many steps down the road as I can. That's the reason why I was such a nerd and played chess in high school every day at lunch, because I loved the practice of thinking as many thoughts down the road as I could. And so as I studied this week in um, Thessalonians and I studied last week in Philippians and learned in Sunday school, the message, at least to me, in what to do when we're trying to patiently wait for promised blessings is quiet down, calm down, be still, and then be not weary in well-doing. Um, keep doing the things that you are doing. Find time to be holy. Um, and I think if I can do that, I will find that I will feel the companionship of the Savior much more as I'm marching my way through this this life. I think we can also learn that from Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes. He learns to take time. We're ending. Thank you guys so much for studying with us this week. You'll find so many more answers than we found here. We'd love to hear about them. We'd also love to continue to hear your questions and feedback. If you've got time, leave us ratings and reviews on your podcast app. Um, share the podcast with friends if you think it'll help and bless them. And we will see you next week. Have a great week.